Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Thankful for you being here. And we are continuing a series that we've been in for a number of weeks now, Renovating Your Heart, as we're going all the way back to the heart, really, of what Jesus came for, what he desired for us once we come into his kingdom. What did he want? I mean, first of all, the first thing that Jesus began to preach is that the kingdom of God has come. It is at hand, and you are welcome and invited into the kingdom of God. It's still open. Today, it's open. And some of you may want to enter in and become a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, and become regenerated, a new creation in Christ. And that can happen today for you. Or if you're joining us online, that may be very well what God wants to do in your life. But as we enter into that kingdom um, citizenship, if you will, there's the first question that we've got to ask is, what is God's number one desire for us in his kingdom? And the answer that we see reiterated throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout Paul's writings, is that God wants Christ-likeness in us. Now, for some of you to go, duh, I know that. I've been in church most of my life. I got that. But I'm telling you, it's more profound and deeper than any of us realize. I don't care how much you think you might know about this idea, but that God is saying, I want to transform you, every part of you, starting with the deepest part of you, and all the way through to every part of you, to reflect and to be like Jesus. And we started the whole series talking about dying to self. That the first thing that we have to understand is that we have to submit to God's will. We have to want his will more than we want our will. And that is a hard thing to actually want. It's easy to say it. Oh yeah, want God's will. But when it comes down to actually living it out every day and putting God's preferences over your preferences, it's a challenge. We talked about that. Week one, we talked about how God wants to renew our minds. Our mind starts with our thoughts, what are the thoughts and the images we put before our mind, and then how those translate into emotions and feelings, which are so powerful in terms of how they influence how we live, and and it influences how we make decisions, our will or our heart, as Scripture calls it. We talked about that last week, this decision center, the executive center of ourself. It's our will. It's decisions that we make, and how does that get impacted, and how does that get transformed? Now today, it's going to be a pivotal moment in the series because this is where we go from internal to external. This is where we go from the internal work, and we're going to keep doing it, but now it's going to be translated into the external part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And what I'm talking about is the transformation of the body, okay? The physical body. And what I mean by this is presenting our body as the outward expression of the inward reality of Jesus and his teaching. The inward reality. Galatians 2.20, Paul tells us that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's a reality. It's not a metaphor. It's like the spirit of Jesus is alive. It is real. It is present within you. If you're a, a child of God, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Jesus. It's there. 
And it's his desires, number one desire, is to help you to express and to live. And this is when you are at your best. This is when you are at your full flourishment as a human being is when you are living submitted to him. This is the way you were created. I was created to live like this. But it's submitting to Jesus, his reality, and his teaching. This is so powerful. So this is kind of like a hinge point it, it lies right there at the center of our spiritual life is our body. It's the place in which our faith becomes expressed outward. It's where we live it out here. It goes from just a concept, thought, feeling before God and becomes a reality in terms of the way we speak to people, treat them, and how we interact with the world around us. It's a really powerful um, moment in our spiritual progressing. Now, when I say that, I want to help you to see that what we're going to be talking about quite a bit today is learning how to train our bodies to become our allies in spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness. And what I'm saying by that statement is I'm not saying that our bodies are inherently evil, but what I am saying, as a matter of fact, God says, no, your body is good. Last week we talked about this, that he has created every part of you for good, to live for him. And in that context, we are at our best. But our flesh, our natural inclinations of our bodies are to adapt to habits that feed our desires of our flesh. And these habits, these if you think about it like a program that's running in the background of the computer of your mind, these old habits, these old programs are still in there running at times, and these knee-jerk reactions of things that happen to you will show that Christ hasn't quite completely become Lord of all of those areas, and these, these other areas need to be fully submitted so that we can be free. We can be fully free, and, and if, as long as we don't train our bodies, they, it will constantly hinder us from being able to do what we know is good and right before God. And um, so it is a, a powerful concept to begin to understand that these bodies that God have, has given us, they make horrible masters. They are incredible servants when they are given over to God completely. So... Um, how does that work, and how does that look for us? Well, first of all, let me just say, for most people on planet Earth, um, and, and you can just look at this just by verifying through the way they live, their bodies really govern their lives. And I would even say most professing Christians, if we looked at, and just try to be really honest with yourself, look at the amount of time that you allocate towards spiritual um, transformation in Christ-likeness, how much spiritual development time that you give. For most people, if they're really honest, it is a small fraction of the amount of time that we give to thinking about what we're going to eat, what we're going to put in our bodies, what we're going to eat and drink, how we're going to adorn the bodies, shopping for things to put on our bodies, the amount of time that we think about trying to keep these bodies fit, and healthy, and going to the gym, or what, are not going to the gym. We, we, if you look at how much time we give towards spiritual development, it's very small compared to the overarching amount of time that we give to our bodies. Now, now these things that we give to our body, it's not bad, but it shows us something. Whenever there's a disproportionate amount of investment, you have to kind of say, there's a priority here that supersedes another priority. And we need to really examine that in our own hearts. 
today. So what's the first step in transformation of our bodies, that spiritual transformation within our bodies? To answer this, I want us to take a look at this incredible letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, such a powerful and important component of how these, the body fits into the spiritual transformation uh, process. Here's what he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, now he's talking about God's gift of salvation. All, really, this is the beginning of chapter 12, so chapters 1 through 11, he's been unpacking the fact that every single human being is a prisoner to sin and cannot get out of it unless they receive the salvation given through Christ alone and that is through Jesus that we can be set free, we can experience the, the, the peace, joy, love, presence of God that he intended for us to live in. And he's saying here, in view of that mercy that he's given us, this gift of salvation, he says, offer your, let's say the highlighted words together, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is an interesting word choice here, because especially to the Jewish converts, the Jewish former Jews that were now Christians that were reading this, all they had ever known were dead sacrifices at the temple, right? And the big difference between a dead and a live sacrifice, a dead sacrifice, when you put it on the altar, it doesn't try to crawl away, does it? It's dead, right? A living sacrifice, like you and me, on the other hand, a body doesn't like to die to itself. It doesn't like to sacrifice its desires to anyone, anyone or anything else, and it wants to crawl off the altar, right? Have you found yourself going, yeah, God, yeah, I really want that until it's time to actually give it up, and you're like, ah, uh, maybe later, right? He's saying living sacrifice, that's what you, he wants you to understand that you are, holy, set apart for God, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is how you really exalt God. This is how you really express your love to God is by being willing to lay your whole self, your body included, before God, offering it to Him as a living sacrifice. While I still got breath in my lungs, going back to our Galatians 2.20, the other half of the verse, he says, this life I now live in the body in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me, right? So he's saying, what, I'm talking about right now, while we still have breath, not wait till heaven, that's going to be wonderful, but right now, Christ wants to transform and to take over and to lead your life and bring such power and, and incredible transformation to you. He says, we do that, brings great glory to God. And it shows worship to him. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, why would he say that? Because that is the natural inclination or propensity of the human heart or body is to give in to its desires. The world around us says, yes, do that. And anybody who tells you not to have exactly what you want when you want it is a hater and you should cancel them. Don't listen to them, God included, right? He's saying, no, God's trying to keep you from a prison cell because you start living according to your desires, you will find quickly there is no way out. You will become trapped and you will become very lonely and isolated and it will become a hollow existence. 
And he's saying, don't conform to this pattern any longer because it is a prison cell. But be, let's say it together, but be transformed. Let me try it one more time. But be transformed. Thank you. This is where our transformation starts. Transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. Now, please don't miss this. Paul, in these first two verses, he says, it is a body and a mind combo, this transformation. They have to work in congruency. They have to work together in harmony together. You can't use one and exclude the other, right? It, has to, it can't be an all an outward show and there's really nothing going on on the inside. And sometimes Christian community can look like that. Or it can't be just something I, I have all this knowledge and hold on to and blah, blah, blah on the inside, but I don't really feel like I need to work on my relationships and treating people better and speaking to them with kindness and respect and compassion and humility. and like that, 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 I'm beyond that, sometimes people feel like. right? He's saying, no, it's both. You must train your body to be your ally in Christ-likeness. And this takes some time. This, is, this takes some intentionality. He says, then, when you do this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will have a quickening of the Spirit. You'll have a sharper discernment about what God actually wants you to do. So many people are like, I wish I knew what God's will is. I wish I knew what God's will is. And he ends by saying, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will always is Christ's likeness for you. He wants to help you to become more like him. And in doing that, it's really asking the question, what would Jesus do if he were me? And sometimes it may feel funny asking the question, but it is a powerful and important question. What would Jesus do if, if he was a camp counselor this week with these kids? What would Jesus do if he was a stay-at-home mom taking care of two or three or four little toddlers? What would Jesus do if he was running a business? If he was a teacher, or he was a mechanic, or he was an attorney, or he was a physician? What would he do? How would he do what I do? What would, how? This is such a powerful and important question that we start to align ourselves with what Jesus' heart and his intentionality, what he would do. So powerful. So your body, I want you to see here, your body has insane, incredible potential for both good and for evil. It has incredible potential. So let's talk about this for a minute because this is a really important part of the development of who we are, that God intended this. One of the first things that we become aware of, even as little infants, is our body. We, you know, you see kids looking at their little babies, looking at their hands, you know, and they learn how to reach out and grab your earring and want to pull it off. You know, I remember that happening quite a bit, or necklace, or, you know, like they, they figure out, like, I can manipulate this body, and I can, I can I, they learn how to move it, they learn how to begin to feed themselves, like they, they put everything in their mouth, don't they? <laughs> they, want to put, they want to taste of everything. They try to put everything in their mouth, they, and after a while, they start to learn how to take care of their bodies, and as a parent, grandparent, uh, a mentor, you, you try to help them to take good care of their bodies, how to learn how to, uh, you know, personal hygiene, or at least you hope they learn personal hygiene before they leave your house. Um, you know, some of us are all still waiting on that, but anyway, um, you, you, you hope that they learn how to take care of their bodies and how to 
use it properly. Their bodies, it's interesting because your body is the thing that gives you a place in space and time and in history. Without your body, you didn't ha- you, we won't have that, right? Our body is the way in which that we have all of our personal experiences come to us by our body. Our body gives us a family. It gives us a gender. It gives us a language. It gives us a cultural heritage and, and a national culture. It comes to us through our body. Our gifts and talents are given to us by God through our body. Our opportunities come to us through our body. And it's interesting, too, that one of the first things that we learn with our body early on is how to exercise our will, what we desire over other people, over other things. And you know, maybe it starts with mama and daddy, like no and yes, and you learn to gesture, I want that, you know. And, no, I don't want, I don't want to eat any more of that green stuff, you know. Like we, we, it's pretty amazing how clear those little kids can be without even having language yet. And, um, but we learn how to assert our will over brothers and sisters and toys and the family pets and whatever. We learn how to do this thing. And then there's this critical moment when our will, and this is where everything begins to change and get challenged, when our will comes right up against the will of someone else that's unwilling to submit and yield to our will. Woo, that first time that we experience that, we don't like it, do we? That's the first time, it's the first time, and I would say every time after that, that we experience destructive, dangerous emotions, right? And I'm talking about fear and anger and jealousy and resentment and even rage. They come to us by and large. I would say almost all the time, it's when we are not getting our way. Competing wills. In marriage, most of the conflicts that happen are because she wants this, he wants that. Competing wills. And we can't figure this out. It's, uh, it's, it's, they won't submit, they won't yield to my will, right? And it causes all of this emotion to start to erupt. And it never stays there. The emotions start driving into deeper places. They start to set up residency within us. They go from just destructive emotions to destructive attitudes. And an attitude is just something now, it's kind of almost part of your personality. A destructive attitude generally manifests itself one of two ways. It either Destructive attitudes come by way of withdrawal or assault, right? So let's talk about each one of these. Withdrawal, first of all, is like, um, I haven't gotten my way with this person or this group of people, and you get to the point where you're so frustrated, maybe so much time has gone by, you just say, I just don't care anymore, Will. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care about the situation. I don't care about what's happening at work. I don't care about this marriage. I don't care about that relationship with that kid or that parent or that brother or sister. I just don't care. I don't care. And, and generally, these responses may be according to the type of personality you have. Maybe you're more introverted than extroverted. Maybe it's just kind of how you're wired, but you just get to the place where you're just like, I don't care. It's not even that I don't love them or I don't like them. I just don't care. I'm just apathetic. But Scripture does not give us an option to not care, okay? 
This is where we're challenged to learn the training going forward. Or it goes a step further, and it moves into assault. It's, it's, you're on the attack now. And assault always manifests itself verbally before it ever gets physical. Almost every time somebody gets physical with another person, it's because they have a competing will with them, right? They're not getting their way, and they will attack them verbally, generally, before they will attack them physically. There's some kind of verbal attack that's going to happen. And it comes about something like this, and maybe you've said this. I bet everybody in here has felt this way about somebody, if we're brutally honest. I want to see them suffer, right? You wouldn't admit this at church, you know, like, I, I get it, I understand. But there is somebody in your life that if somebody came up to you and said, oh, man, he's going through a really hard time, lost his job, and he's kind of, you know, going through it, and you'd be like, oh, man, I'll pray for that guy. And secretly, you're like, yes, finally. That guy's a jerk. He's getting what he deserves, right? Hard not to feel that way about certain people. But it's this assault inside of you, and maybe even goes a bit further. Maybe you felt this at family gatherings or at other gatherings or at work or whatever, where you just say to yourself or you say to someone else, you say, if they come near me, I can't be held responsible for what I might say or what I might do. Right? <laughs> we don't want to admit that at church, but oh my gosh, haven't we all felt that sometime? I have. I'll be honest enough. I've felt that way about people before, and it's terrible. Like, you know, I've, I've had to confess that and ask for God to forgive me, and thankfully he has. But this is in all of us to feel like this. But when we're honest enough to admit that's what's happening, I'd like to see them suffer. I can't be held responsible for what I might say or do because it's been so long, and I'm not getting my way, and they won't do the right thing, and you might be right. What you want for them might be exactly what they ought to do, but they're not willing to do it, and they keep doing the stupid, destructive, you know, addiction or whatever it is. They won't say no to it. And you might be totally right. You want to write them off. You want to assault them. You want to give them a piece of your mind. I'm telling you, it is an infection. It is a cancer in your soul. And really what we're admitting right here, we're admitting that those destructive emotions that became attitudes in us have such power and sway over this body of ours that we literally lose control of it. And we don't, we cannot stop it. It will control the way we act. It will control the way we talk. That's how powerful these old programs are. These old habits can be. But the good news is, and I hope you hear this as good news, that can be reprogrammed. You absolutely can transform, God, with God's help, who you are. That Christ, his power in you, his word in your life, and through application of it, oh my gosh, it can change the way you think. It can change the way your body behaves. It can change your knee-jerk reaction when somebody starts coming at you and getting in your face. You can learn how to handle it with wisdom and grace and love and peace and joy when it seems like, oh my gosh, that's impossible. But if we don't, you will find that the sickness inside will start to manifest itself on you physically. I thought about that this week. I was reading a story about Frank Laubach, who was a famous 
missionary in the Philippines for years and years, and while he was over there, he ran for president of this local college, and as kind of an act of nobility, he cast his vote for his opponent. And when all the votes were tallied, he lost the election by one vote. It ate him up, folks. He felt so resentful, so angry, for like two years, it just slowly it, it deteriorated his body. He was ill almost constantly. His bi biographer wrote this about Frank. Frank Laubach, he, she wrote, he suffered from flu, appendicitis, paratyphoid, a strained leg muscle, an ulcerated eye and shingles. In a state of bitter self-pity, he hobbled around, worked inefficiently, and wore a patch over one eye for much of the time, for nearly two years. She goes on to say, his failure to accept defeat was costing him his health. These were years of despondency and aimlessness. He was fighting the battle of his soul. Maybe you know somebody like that. It was eating him alive. It was deteriorating. It was taking over his life because his heart wasn't yielded to God. Thankfully, Frank finally came to a place of realizing what was happening to him and he surrendered his whole self, mind, body, soul, to Jesus. And it was like streams of living water began to, his body started to just miraculously recover. He got his strength back. He got his health back. So powerful. My question for you today, have you forgiven? Have you let go of that thing that haunts you from the past, that embitters your heart, David in the Old Testament, Psalm 6, he talks about this correlation between physical pain that went with the sickness and anguish of his soul. David said, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones, like the physical part of me, are in agony. I am hurting, like physically, I can't get away from this. My soul is in deep anguish. They're both in. They're tied together. You can't break them apart. You can't bifurcate them. You, they, are, they go together. Your soul is tied to your body. They're connected. This is the way God intended for them to work in tandem, in conjunction with one another. So here's the question. What's the next step, big step, to placing God's guidance over your body? Well, it's gonna come down to this releasing of control of your bodies to God, releasing of control. It's giving over to God full control. It's saying, I'm gonna stop letting my body call the shots. I'm not gonna let my desires, my, the sensual, sexual appetites of my life, I'm not gonna let those rule anymore, which is really a form of idolatry. It's letting your body be your Lord, be the master. It's calling the shots. It's not letting food rule your body. It's not letting anything that your body needs rule your body. I love how the Apostle Paul put it, because he said, it really is like a professional athlete going into training. And he uses this beautiful analogy. Of course, the Greek games back then were a big deal. It's really what our Olympic games are based upon today. 
And he talks about this in, in Romans chapter, first, uh, pardon me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what Paul says. He says, everyone who competes in the games, and everybody knew what he was talking about, goes into strict, let's say it together, strict training, right? They have to train, and what is, what is a part of training? This is a really loaded word. You have to deny yourself. Have you ever seen a professional athlete, what he or she is willing to go through to get ready? Oh my gosh. You want to talk about dying to yourself. That's what you have to do. You have to be willing to make your body do what it does not want to do in hopes of being able to do what you've never been able to do. And that's how spiritual lives work. That's how the spiritual dynamic of spiritual growth goes. It's being willing to say, I'm going to die to self now because I'm going to come alive in Christ in an area of my life I've never been alive before. I'm going to see his power, joy, peace, love like never before. And you will begin to understand these are more than just Christian platitudes. It's so powerful how God can radically change you from the inside out, but you have to be willing to lay it all down and say, God, help me to do what I know to be right rather than what I feel to be convenient, which is what the whole rest of the world is doing. So when you do this, you're going to be weird. You're going to stand out. It's going to be peculiar and strange. But just embrace the strange and the weird. It's okay. This is the way to, this is the path to freedom. This is the path to abundant life, Jesus said. He goes on to say, and then Paul now is starting to talk about himself personally. He's using the, uh, the, the athlete that is the boxer, right? He's talking about a boxer here. He says, I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air, right? I'm not just shadow boxing here. He goes on to say this. He says, no, I strike a blow to my, let's say it together, strike a blow to my body, right? To make it my slave or my servant. And ultimately, he means God's servant, right? I'm going to make it a servant to Christ so that after I have preached, taught, shared the, the good news and the truth of God with others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize, and you see this theme over and over and over. Are you living what you say you believe? What you're telling your children, what you're telling your employees, what you're telling your friends, what you're telling about God, are you living it? Is there integrity there? Are you really? I mean, we don't always, nobody's perfect, I get it. Like, we're not gonna all get this teetotaler all the time, but there ought to be a repentance and restoration that happens immediately, giving it back to God. God, I'm yours. Use me, use me. This is so powerful that it's a willingness to, to keep going and to get up and to keep trying. You know, I, I, this whole boxing language, it reminds me, I love the old Rockies. Anybody here watch the old Rockies from time to time? Last summer, we watched all of them. My girls hadn't seen them all, and I'm like, okay, this is a very important part of your development as a human being. We need to watch all of the Rockies. And so I remember going back and watching them, and man, I just love Rocky. Oh my gosh. And I, I have to believe we'd love him a lot less if he got up like at the crack of dawn and said, yo, I'm uh, really tired. I think I'm going to head back to bed, you know? <laughs> no! I mean, he's out there chasing chickens and he's got timbers on his back and he's running and he goes all up those steps in Philadelphia and he's dancing around. They put a big statue. Why? Because he never gives up. We love that. 
There's something inside of us that says, yes, I want to be more like Rocky. That's what Paul is saying. This is what God put in you to be like this. Don't give up. Keep going. And the body is a part of your spiritual development. It's not exclusive, but you must train it to be your ally in Christ-likeness because it wants things that will destroy you. Treat your body like a little toddler that needs to be parented. It can't have everything at once. It will mess you up bad. It will destroy your marriage, your career. All the respect or any that your kids still have for you will be gone, I promise you. No one will want to be around you. It will deteriorate relationships. It's so powerful when we begin to understand this. That it's easier to act our way to a feeling than to feel our way to an action. And what I mean by that is that when you begin to act, you put your body in motion and start to do the right things. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where you put your do 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 your heart, there your treasure will be also. You put the and put your pardon me, where you put your treasure, there your heart will be also. Where you put your heart, where you put the, your, your, the treasure of your time and your energy and your effort, your desires will follow. Your will, your, your choices, your hunger, your longings will follow. It's easier to act your way to a feeling than to wait till you feel like it to be the kind of husband you need to be, guys, or the kind of wife you need to be, women. You wait till you feel like it, Guess what? If you do that with an exercise or a fitness routine, my routine is I only do it when I feel like it. That's called the I never get fit routine, okay? <laughs> I've done that one many times. And uh, you have to make yourself go do stuff you don't want to do. And you get the, the blessing and the benefit of doing it even if you don't feel like it in the moment. It's so powerful. And this is why Paul... Um, Again, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I love this. He's saying, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? That your body is this sacred place that God wants to use for his glory, whom you have received. I love this amplified version of the Bible. It defines some of these Greek words for us. He says, whom you have received as a gift from God and that you are not your own property, could there be any more countercultural statement in the Bible right now than that? You are not your own property. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been bought with a price. You belong to Him. And your greatest pinnacle of existence is learning to live in harmony with the God, the Creator who made you. He loves you. And He made you for this. He goes on to say this. You were, let's say it together, you were bought with a price. And what he means by this, you were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. What, what a gift. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I laid my body down. Not metaphorically, physically died for you so that you could be mine. My kingdom is open to you. Come on in. But no, my goal for you is to not leave you and your sinful habits and programs running in your head, but to help you to break free one day at a time. I love this. So then, let's say it together. So then, 
honor and glorify God with your body, to honor Him, to give Him honor, glorify, expressing the true nature. And there's that Christ-likeness again. That's what the body's for, to express the Christ-likeness, to glorify God is to live like Him. And right now, I want to ask you if you would be willing to pray this prayer of application with me. It's simply saying, Lord Jesus, where am I still living in these old habits? Where am I desecrating your temple? That's a little stronger way to put it. I'm using your temple for self-glorification. I'm using my, your temple for things that I'm giving into addictions and things that I know are wrong. I know they're not good. I know they go against your word. I keep doing them anyway. Ask God's help. Recruit the spiritual power that he gives us through his spirit, and it can change everything. I recognize you have purchased me, and I commit to honor and glorify you with my body. And maybe today, part of you coming to God is receiving his gift of salvation. You've never done that before. Some of you may be sitting here going, I want a relationship with God, and I do not have that right now. He offers that to you through his son, Jesus, and you can receive that right now. Others of you are Christians, but if you are brutally honest, some of those old habits, old programs are still running, and you see it sometimes. When you get hot, you get mad, you get frustrated, you get jealous, it comes out, right? Oh, it's still there. I thought I had put that to rest, and you may have to kill it once again. Give it to God, commit Let's do that right now together as we go before him. Lord, we love you. We come before you right now, and we just ask that you would help us as we lay all of our heart down before you, all of our soul, mind, and body. God, we submit it to you, realizing that the mind and heart and body are to work in conjunction, in harmony together, that we must train this body of ours to be our ally in Christ-likeness. And right now, you know the area of your life where it is not in line with God's Spirit. There are some behaviors that you have engaged in and you continue to fall back into them that you know desecrates His temple. Would you just commit it to Him right now and ask for His help? He is a gracious, loving, compassionate God that will meet you right where you are right now. If you know there's an area that you need to give over to God, would you just lift your hand right now? I want to pray for you wherever you are, on the floor, the balcony, online, wherever you are. God, I pray for every person right now who's willing to say, yes, I'm just going to get gut level honest with you, honest to God right now. Yes, I need your help, God. I want to be free. I'm sick of being a prisoner to this thing over and over and over. I don't want to live like this anymore. And I'm going to recruit some accountability. I'm going to get some counseling. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to get some other disciples of Jesus to help come alongside me that I can trust and help me to get free of this God. Train this body of mine that I can live without this. It doesn't have to master me anymore. It doesn't have to rule over me anymore. We commit it to you. You may lower your hands. And right now, Lord, for all those who can hear my voice, both online and here in our room, anybody here that would be willing to say, I do not know this God, but I want to. I'm ready to step over the line of faith and trust God, invite him into my life right here, right now. Don't put it off another day. 
Would you receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers to you? Let your heart be wiped clean so that you might be a child of God starting right now. Would you just pray this right where you sit? Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive all my sin. I accept the payment you made for me on the cross. The precious blood of Jesus, it was poured out for your sin. Such a high, there's not a higher price that's been paid for anything in this universe than your soul. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.